Summer Breakfast with Sam Edmund and Simon O'Donnell. In the last, I'd say, five years, especially the AFL and the clubs have put a lot of protocols around protecting the head. And um, I think when you play a contact sport, you're never going to get it perfect. So um, I think there's been a lot of trust in the AFL and clubs to, to monitor um, and protect players as much as they can. So um, I think that that I think that question is going to be getting asked for, for as long as this game goes. But I, I feel like every year the clubs in the AFL um, are working really um, hard together to, to make sure that we not only play a great brand of footy, but make sure um, our health is sort of number one as well. Well, that was the Carlton captain, Patrick Cripps, yesterday, and the trust that uh, he and his playing cohort have in the AFL and the doctors regarding concussion, which was back in the news in a big way yesterday after the recommendations John Kane put to the AFL in the inquest into the death of Shane Tuck. Sports medicine expert Dr. Peter Larkins joins us this morning. He's been doing it for a long, long time. G'day, Doc. Really appreciate your time this morning. Uh, morning, Sam. Morning, Simon. Yeah, it's a it's a topic that keeps on giving, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a, well, we discussed it earlier, Doc. It's like a, a runaway train. And it's not just headed for AFL. It's headed for all contact sports across the globe. And it's up to them. To, to change with the times. I mean, what did you make of the recommendations? And there were 21 of them made yesterday by uh, John Kane. I mean, um, the AFL, they're not mandated to make these changes, are they? But they've got three months to, to, to formally apply. Reply. Yeah, look, I, ex- I expected there'd be some fairly negative comments come out of it because of the, you know, the media focus and the community mm. focus on the concept of the long-term, you know, effects of head knocks and what we've seen. And it, as you say, it's a global issue. It, it's it's affecting the NFL. It's affecting soccer in Europe, as well as uh, other sports like like horse racing with the jockeys and and AFL. So they're guidelines that have been, you know, recommended to to the AFL in this particular Shane Tuck case, but in sport generally. So, I mean, most sports will take on advice when it's clear that there's something can be done to improve player safety or participant safety across across it. But, but you know, there's some really challenging ones in there, like, you know, limiting contact training um, in, in, in certain circumstances. That's going to be something that will cause great discussion at the clubs, I would think, Sam. And, you know, we talk about the AFL or we talk about the jockeys and soccer and the NFL. I mean, these are the elites, as we're being told here off the text as well, Doc. I guess the minority number of elite players, I guess the broader issue would appear to be everyone else who plays the game at a, at a grassroots level. You know, community footy in this part of the world. Well, that's the point I was going to make, and you brought it up ahead of me, is that, you know, this is a much bigger issue when we talk about concussion across the community. So we're talking about a very, very small minority of participants when we're talking about the uh, mm. the AFL or even the NFL. So this, this issue for, for GPs, for, for other doctors and clinics that are seeing concussion much more frequently now in the sense that people present because they're, it's in the, in the media, it's a much bigger issue about head knocks and concussion and how it's managed. I mean... It's one thing to say, you know, that managing the players at AFL level, it's a pretty elite management system and the AFL takes on board the advice they're given. And you mentioned before how many changes have been made. But I can tell you now across the community sports, whether whether it's basketball, whether it's junior footy, there's very, very little coverage medically at these. And it's a real challenge across the community. Uh, talking about community and, and just normal community pressures, can, can you be diagnosed with CTE um, be, you know, with... Um, not being subject to head knocks during your you know, your life, your your sporting experience, Pete. Oh, absolutely, Simon. Yeah, good morning. Look, your CTE, you know, is chronic traumatic encephalopathy. It's not a sport encephalopathy. It's traumatic, so it can be related 
to a whole range of things. And so what we're talking about, first of all, it's not diagnosed before you're dead. So it's mm. a really difficult thing. You can have symptoms that may be consistent with dementia and memory or behaviour and anger and suicidal thoughts. And we know that's across the community, as you rightly said before, Simon, that, you know, that's, that's, that's common in the community. So we have to really distinguish between where sport is to blame and where lifestyle issues are to blame because it's, it's a common thing anyway. But, you know, you can have CTE diagnosed as a result of this. So CTE is where the brain, when it's looked at after death, there's all these protein deposits associated with replacement of brain tissue. And it's been associated with a particular condition. So we're still learning. It's a very early days of evolving curve in terms of trying to get the benefit. But I think the medical world and the sports medicine world is taking on the advice as rapidly as it's given to them. But one of the recommendations was, I think, to summarise here, Doc, for, for greater um, baseline testing, I think was the words that, that John Kane might have used. I mean, are the AFL, do you know, are the AFL doing something in this, in this realm already? Or is this something when we're not doing? It's pretty rudimentary, Sam, because, it, it, look, the objective testing where you can just, you know, take yep. a photo of the person's brain or you can do a questionnaire that says, oh, this is the stage you're at with your brain function, it's pretty rudimentary. It's, you know, we're we a long way away from having a definitive, quick, objective test beforehand. Mm. And I don't know if you remember the old, you've been around, Sam, long enough, and you too, Simon, you know, the old pen and pa- pencil that the people used to sit there and tick the boxes and <laughs> see the reaction time on the bench that used to be done pre-season and blokes would just dumb it down and do a poor performance in the pre-season so they could perform well so so that was pre-season testing 20 years ago sam if you like but right now in terms of mri scan functional mri or other ways of having baseline testing it's just too big a task to do it across the 850 and so we don't really have that in place very well do you think we can ever, and this is a imp- very difficult question to ask you, Doc, I suppose, and even um, more unfair to expect an answer, but Patrick Cripps there saying he, he believes this will be a debate that we forever have with our game by virtue of the way that he's played. Do you, do you think we could ever get to a, a, for lack of a better phrase, a sweet spot where we, I mean, we're, we're always going to be wrestling with this, aren't we, just by virtue of the fact that we yeah. play a danger, inherently dangerous game? Well, it's one of the most, you know, athletic collision contact sports in the world. And I think we're going to have that. We, we can't change the fabric of the game completely. I mean, we already have an issue of, of parents not wanting their mm. children to go into certain sports for fear of injury. And, you know, and, and the big consequence of that is the lack of fitness. And we already have an obesity crisis. So there's a real flow on effect of trying to get that period of time where sport is safe but parents are still happy to have their children participating, knowing that they might do a hamstring injury or might do a knee injury, or they might get a head knock. It's very difficult to sanitise sports that have got contact or collision, especially when you have teammates running into each other. So, it's you know, we've seen that with the Port Adelaide. We saw that with Jeremy Cameron and Gary Rowan when they knocked each other into the next suburb. So it's not just opposition. It can happen in, in the nature of the game. I mean, very quickly, the NFL have restricted their contact training to 30 minutes in certain sessions. Yeah, in right. the UK, they've stopped heading of the ball in under-15 sport in a soccer. Not allowed to head the balls. It's like telling a footballer he's not allowed to kick the ball. Mm. So they're already making changes around the world to try to make it, it, it safer. But you obviously change your skill set then because you're not preparing for the sport with yeah. the normal amount of preparation. So there are some incredible challenges there, but changes are being made to try and make it safer. But I don't think we're ever going to eliminate it. It's going to be an ongoing discussion, and we have to look at prevention and management at the same time. So, Pete, what's the model look like going forward? This isn't a question that's going to be answered overnight and a solution found. So what's the model look like going forward for participants? And also, you mentioned them, which is very important, for parents wanting their kids to play their sport. 
Well, I don't know. It's not an easy answer to give, Simon, because, I mean, clearly the model is, is looking at saying, how do we make the sport as safely as possible? And every time we identify a predictable injury, and the knees are a good example, we go back and say, why are these knees ha- happening? Is it because of the lack of strength? Is it, is it, is it that we're not using with wrong boots? So we've always analysed to look and say, how, do, how can we make a sport safer where there's an identifiable injury? So, you know, look, sport in terms of head injury, I see it that there's an incredible duty of care on opposition players. We've seen many changes coming in the last decade where there's more onus on the opposition player to protect the head of the opponent. That wouldn't have happened when you played footy, Simon, but now it's there. Um, management on the day so so it is improved so in terms of getting players and especially kids with the brains under 18 years of age where it takes longer to recover they're spending more time out of the sport so there's more restricted time um, sideline assessments improving you know the, the slightest little suggestion so I think the fabric of the game's changing a bit because we're taking more care on the day and taking longer to come back so uh, and that's you know, understandable because we want to make sure that we don't have any long-term problems of, of behaviour issues or indeed the suicide and deaths, which is really the, the really tragic answer. But uh, before we let you go, just to let you know that uh, the boss's ankle, 100%. Good job. Uh, very good because it's very important she's around to look after you. <laughs> Doc, we love talking to you, mate. We know you're flat out. Right. We, we know you are flat out. You've probably got a big day in theatre there. Um, appreciate your time, mate, uh, as Thanks. always, and uh, have yourself a good day. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Simon. Dr Peter Larkins there. You'll have to fill me in on that. That's a question that I notice for you later on. Uh, weather update, City Power supplying power to homes in the CBD and the inner suburbs. 18.7 already, headed for a top of 32 today, and would you believe it, no rain.